1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Makers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.
3: Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New
4: Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
5: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you this Thursday morning, uh, three hours through to uh, midday. uh, Full of uh, real interest for me in particular because uh, we're going to get stuck into this uh, Brendan McCullum story. Uh, We're going to the UK to talk to Dean Wilson, who's uh, the chief cricket writer for the Daily Mirror, has been for a long time. um, And he will give us an update. Uh, He could be the one that broke the story originally on Baz coaching England in the test starting in less than three weeks. So I think it's three weeks yesterday. Uh, So, English time, so not a lot of time for it to get adjusted. Uh, What does Dean Wilson make of that (coughs) particular prospect? And is it fact? Is it really true or is it rumour? We're going to have talkback just after 9.30, and that will be one of the subjects of uh, the talkback. And the good news is uh, not only do we have the $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher to give away, but for Auckland people in particular, we've got uh, a chance to win one of two double passes for the Blues versus the Reds. 7.05 Saturday night at Eden Park. So uh, Aucklanders, you'll want to get in on dial 0800-150-811 for that. Uh, We'll be giving out our harness racing pick for uh, Women's Refuge, our charity, of course. Um, (coughs) Shane the Hammer Heel will come in as well uh, just after 10 o'clock because the NBL wrapped up last night and is the Sydney Kings, who are the 2021-2022 champions, knocking over the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers 3-0 in the best of five. Uh, so, uh, we'll look at a panel this morning with Ollie Ritchie and Ross Carl. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Super Rugby. Um, we'll talk also about the, this new uh, rugby competition being mooted. Silver Lake's just around the corner. The D-Day is coming for that, the big vote. Uh, Brennan McCullum's story, of course, and uh, the Warriors. There's always something to talk about there, isn't there? Uh, just after 11 o'clock, we'll catch up with Ricardo Ball, uh, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand's best football pundit, I have to say, because uh, we've got him. He's part of the OECNZ family. And there's some uh, interesting football games wound up this morning too in terms of the Premier League and what are the games coming up, which are the key ones. And, of course, uh, the Phoenix playoff game this weekend. Ricardo with his thoughts on that. we have a stump smithy around about uh, 11.30 this morning and around about 11.45. We'll give out our Greyhound uh, pick for the week to raise money for Women's Refuge, courtesy of Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Busy show. Been there. Well, could it be, could it be that Brendan McCullum uh, is going to coach the England cricket team in Test cricket? We were thinking that perhaps he could be a white ball contender because he's great mates with Owen Morgan uh, and it just seemed a natural partnership if that was to be the case. But now we're hearing he could well be the English Test cricket coach. And that mission starts very shortly against us, yes, against the Black Caps. So, Brendan McCullum coaching England to beat New Zealand. Is that a real possibility? It seems so. Now, one man with his finger on the pulse of everything that happens, in particular of uh, English cricket, has been for a long time one of the most experienced journalists I've got over there at the moment is is, uh, Daily Mirror's cricket correspondent, Dean Wilson. Uh, Dean, thanks very much for your time this morning.
6: Yeah, hi, Smithy. Good to speak to you, mate.
5: Yeah, nice to catch up with you, mate. Now, this is of interest to us greatly, of course. One of our favourite sons, and all of a sudden, he might just be jumping the fence to have a go against us. What is the the latest development? Is is this a a done deal? Yeah,
6: look, I think it is. I think we're expecting confirmation of his appointment as soon as tomorrow here in the UK. So later on. Today, your time, um, and we think that he's going to get uh, announced, and, uh, and we're going to have two New Zealand-born uh, guys in charge of the England Test team to take on uh, New Zealand in uh, in June on uh, June the second. So, uh, just dotting the i's, crossing the t's on the contracts. There's been reports coming out of uh, India that he's handed in his notice with uh, KKR at the IPL. Um, Rob Key, the managing director here, did suggest that the IPL wouldn't be a barrier to anyone coaching England, but it, it looks like uh, Brendan's going to uh, give himself a, a clear run during this job with England, and he, he's going to have a pretty, pretty uh, big inbox to face. You know, England are not in the greatest of form in the Test team, and uh, he's, he's got a bit of a job
5: to do. OK, Dean, well, uh, when did you first learn that he was a candidate? We heard uh, rumours that he might be a white ball candidate. That was probably a week ago. Uh, but when did you first hear that he may well get the big job of being the, the test coach? And were you surprised at that news?
6: Well, yeah, as you say, he was uh, a candidate for the uh, white ball job. You know, a, a very obvious candidate. You know, tremendous pedigree in white ball cricket, in uh, T20 cricket, and of course leading the Black Caps to the final in 2015 of the 50 over competition and uh, very good friends with erin morgan um you know on and off the field have worked together um most recently at kkr uh but have known each other a very long time and and, and it did seem like that was a natural fit but actually um the, when when you look at it and when you think about it there was something that rob key said to us um probably uh, about two weeks ago now where he said that He'd be taking advice uh, from Owen Morgan, uh, not just only on white ball cricket, which he's uh, extremely experienced in, but also red ball cricket, because uh, he's just got a, a terrific cricket brain full stop. And so when you start thinking about it like that, uh, Owen, you know, as I said, with his relationship with Brendan, would be able to, to give a real insight into uh, his qualities, not only with white ball, but red ball. And then you, when you look at what's happened to New Zealand cricket over the last kind of six years or so since Brendan um, retired, you know, he really did lay down the foundations for the success that New Zealand have gone on to have in test cricket. And so it was only in the last, uh, well, the last few days that uh, I got wind of, of, of a shift in, in uh, um, direction. You know, they were having interviews they had to wait for people, for everyone who wanted to apply, to apply the deadline was on Friday. And then they were doing interviews, um, uh, over the last sort of three or three or so days. Um, and that's where, you know, the, the, the switch kind of, uh, first came across my, my, uh, I suppose my nose, I guess <laughs> I put it that way. Um, and, and now it seems like it's, it's been done. So these things move pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, I think it's a, a terrific fit. It makes a lot of sense, uh, and I think it's going to be an exciting time for English cricket.
5: Okay, so uh, Ben Stokes, uh, we've seen a, a few comments over here. He's been instrumental um, in talking about anyway who he'd like to have around, the likes of Anderson and, and Broad, and, and uh, where he'd like to see Joe Root bat. That's uh, come as far as New Zealand. Those. Those thoughts, but uh, what about his role in the selection of, of Brendan McCallum or Baz, as we call him over here, Baz, as you'll call him over there, I would imagine. Um, what about his role in picking Baz? And uh, also, uh, how do you think they'll, they'll work together? I mean, they're, they're quite like forces, aren't they, in, in terms of the way they like to play the game?
6: Yeah, look, I, I think it's very interesting, um, Ben's uh, influence here, because I, I, I know for sure... That uh, Rob Key was not going to be foisting a coach on Ben that, uh, that Ben wasn 't comfortable with um, wh- whether it 's in terms of outlook on the game, you know uh, in terms of character perhaps uh, and personalities, you know the coach and the captain really do have to to be a, the best relationship in that dressing room they've you know they've got to work together sort of cheek by jowl to make sure. That the team is moving, um, you know, forward in harmony, and so Ben absolutely was consulted and, and asked about um, coaches that that he'd be prepared to work with, and 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 you know, obviously he doesn't have a a uh, incredible relationship with everybody who's going to apply for a role, but uh, I think in the case of Baz, absolutely, he he knows him. Um, they've obviously they obviously competed against each other um, several times, both internationally and then, um, you know, the IPL as well. Um, and so uh, there has been, uh, you know, a relationship built up over time and they've got a, a reasonable idea of, of each other. Um, as I said, sorry, as, as we talked about with Owen as well off the field, you know, Ben and Owen get on, you know, hugely well as well. So there is that connection. But it also you know is about the cricket really you know that's the, the fundamental point here. It's not just about having a good time and and being great mates. it's about trying to produce the best environment and produce the best players and the best tactics and the best strategy uh, in order to build England up from where they are at the moment and I think on that point of view yeah they'll be very much aligned um, very positive in the way that they uh, their outlook on the game, but also I think people will will find that uh, both Ben and Baz uh, are probably not just what they seem on the outside. That there's a, a bit of depth to them. That, that I think they both really appreciate the, the kind of traditions and the um, you know the difficulties, if you will, that, that come from playing Test cricket. You know how hard that game can be and and, and the way to play Test cricket. And that's, I think they'll be very much together on that. And, and then also uh, very much together on. What it takes in terms of character, hard work, um, you know, uh, the the sort of um, skills, not just technical skills that players have, but the kind of the heart and the the pride and the passion that goes into being an international sportsman. I think that that is also something that they'll be singing from the same hymn sheet. So I, I think that the players playing under them will get a very consistent message. I think it will be it will give them real motivation. Um, and as I say, I, I think between them, it, it could be a pretty exciting time for us.
5: Dean, I, I just wonder whether they will have the support of English cricket fans from the get-go, or will they have to win it—the Stokes-McCullum combination.
6: Well, d- judging by some of the the comments and the reactions to to the news when I when I put it out uh, on social media and across um, across the mirrors, uh, digital sites, and things. Very positive responses. I think Brendan McCullum, um, you know, if you're going to have a second team, um, as we all do, you know, there's a lot of respect and a lot of appreciation for New Zealand and certainly for what uh, Baz has done over the years. You know, obviously a terrific entertainer when he played the game, but also, you know, just kind of carried himself with, uh, with with. Great distinction, um, certainly. Whenever he played against England, so I think it's. Um, I think they're going to have a lot of support to begin with. People are really behind them already. I mean, Ben Stokes, um, considering some of the ups and downs that he's been through over the course of his career. You know, he's no angel, of course not, but you know, he really is a, a, a superstar of the game, and he's, he's come through a lot and matured and showed just what a, a terrific. Uh, man, he's become, and, and and what a terrific player he's become. So there's a lot of support for for Stokes. I think there's a lot of support for for Baz. So right now, um, I think yeah, everyone's behind them. But you know, it doesn't take much in support for that for those views to change. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, it, it's only a few weeks away when New Zealand arrive, and you know, New Zealand is still you know the best t- Test team in the world. They've, they've got this World Test Championship that they won here last summer, um, not going to be easy to get past them. So we'll certainly get a, a view on, on how things pan out if, uh, if New Zealand get off to a good start and England are still struggling.
5: Dean, the other thing, of course, of, of interest is uh, there's been a clean-out in English cricket, uh, which will incorporate some players, I would imagine, as well. How close do you think Ben Stokes, Rob Key, uh, maybe getting a little bit of outside uh, help now from uh, Brendan McCullum with some early observations? How close to formulating a test uh, a test team are they?
6: Well, it's interesting because um, there's been a lot of turnover with, with with players through a variety of reasons, through uh, injuries, a lot of injuries to bowlers, but also decisions. You know, they left James Anderson and Stuart Broad at home for their last tour to the West Indies, and so we saw a few a few new faces. Uh, Saki Mahmood was one. Uh, Matthew Fisher was another, but. Matthew Fisher is now injured. So, um, you know, there, there, there's going to be uh, a few more uh, a few more changes. It looks like Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson are going to come back into the test team uh, for the start of the summer. Uh, and then we've had a couple of shifts in, in the batting order. So Ben Stokes has said he's going to move back to six and be the sort of genuine all-rounder there. So, um, and he's also said that Joe Root's going to move uh, back from three to four so the, the spots in the, in the batting order uh, at three and five. Now you'd expect Johnny Bairstow to be secure uh, in, in that role at number five because he scored 200 th- this winter, the only man to score 100 for England in the Ashes. Um, but his name really hasn't been talked about a, a huge amount recently, um, and, I, and he's spent the last kind of uh, month or so playing in the IPL. So uh, there's going to be a little bit of... Of, of a change uh, with the batting uh, lineup, I think guys like Ollie Pope, Zach Crawley, Dan Lawrence haven't managed to really secure their space, their their spots just yet. So there is definitely room for, for things to, to turn around. Listening to Rob Key, he's also talked about some players on the fringes of of, of the side, guys like Joe Clark, uh, Harry Brooks, uh, maybe Josh Bohanan at uh, Lancashire, some, some some new faces, some new players that people may not have. I've heard too much about just yet. So this this is a new era. This is a a kind of fresh start, even though I've said that that Anderson and Broad are on their way back. This is still, you know, the Stokes era is going to start with a clean slate. Um, And I would say that of the the 11 that get picked for that first test against New Zealand, uh, there are no guarantees that it's going to be that familiar all the way through this summer. I, I think there's lots of opportunities for guys to play for, uh, and I think that, you know, by the time Baz and, and Ben get their feet under the table, um, we should get an idea of what direction they're going in uh, as we face South Africa, uh, play India in the one-off test, face South Africa at the end of the summer. And the team could look uh, significantly different uh, from the start of the summer to the end of the summer.
5: Uh, Dean, the, the other thing, of course, uh, uh, about uh, one, one way to build confidence is, um, and, and get a platform is to score runs at the top of the order. England have not been able to do that on a regular basis, particularly throughout the Ashes. That was their biggest issue. Just couldn't get any foundation to work from. So um, there has been, I mean, it might just be pipe dream speculation, the return of uh, Sir Alistair Cook. Is that a, a possibility or is that just uh, uh, just hot air, really?
6: Well, you know, ne- never say never, um, because I'll tell you now that the best opening batsman in England right now is Sir Alistair Cook. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind about that. Um, even over, over the last sort of three years that he's been playing for Essex, he's still been churning out the runs um, as, as he has done all his career. He will tell you that part of that reason is because he's not doing it at international level. He's not had to worry and have the stresses and strains that have come uh, with trying to compete at that level um, as he did so successfully. Um, there will be clamour for Sir Alistair, no question about it. He just scored 200 in the, uh, the same first-class match for the first time. But I also know Cookie quite well, and he, he, he's got no intention of coming back. Uh, he's been doing some media work over the last couple of summers as well, and I have lunch with him and, and, and have the odd chat with him, and I keep, you know, prodding him and kind of poking him and saying, come on, you know, you could still do it. And he's absolutely adamant there is no chance whatsoever that he'll be back in an England shirt. So uh, sorry to disappoint, but uh, I don't see it happening, I'm afraid.
5: Uh, Just on one completely different subject, you're also uh, a rugby man as well. You love uh, the 15-man game over there. Uh, This mooted um, new championship, north versus south, basically, uh, in terms of the hemispheres, is that a goer for you, Dean?
6: Well, yeah, you're you're right, Smithy. I I, I used to do cover rugby uh, quite a lot, and in fact, I remember being on the Lions tour down in New Zealand in 2005, which um, wasn't such a great tour for the Lions, but I, I had a great time anyway. Um, look, yeah, the, 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 that tournament for me, um, you know, it's all about money. I mean, that that's the thing about sport at the moment, which kind of uh, I'm finding it quite difficult to, to get to terms with. Yes, they're going to try and Put this biennial tournament in, but you know, part of the the joy of sport, or part of the what makes it so special, is kind of the rarity value. And, and if you're playing the same teams over and over and over and over again, it, it does kind of lose a little bit of its of its magic, a little bit of of what makes it so so special. And maybe I'm a bit of a, a stuck in the mud for that. And they'll tell me that you know i have got no kind of corporate sense, no commercial now, you know the 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 demand is there, the fans want to see it, so you know give them what they want, but i don 't know sometimes I think fans don't necessarily know what they want, just because it's there, just because you can do something I'm not sure that you should uh, and and we can see it with cricket, you know cricket there is so much cricket on at the moment uh, you know with a, with the domestic uh, franchise tournaments as well as so much international cricket um and and the the market just feels kind of saturated in, in many ways but yet there's more and more kind of popping up and it feels maybe rugby's going down that road as well and look you know if it's a success and, and it works and you know all, all power to it but not for me and and, and let's not forget in all this you know it's the, the only commodity that we're really tr- talking about are the players here and you know you can see it with with cricket look at Virat toli the guy has played non-stop cricket he cannot you know fire run at the moment because he's just burnt out. And, and I, and I talked to the England players who've been in bubbles and, and are just knackered from having to, to to try and raise themselves to the top level over and over and over again. And we're talking about rugby where the physicality, the, 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 the amount of, of effort that goes in to a, a, an 80 minute game of rugby, I mean, to just keep asking them to go to the well again and again and again I don't know, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of worried about it, to be honest with you, but as I said, the money's, if the money's there, money talks, they'll do it.
5: Dean Wilson, been an absolute pleasure uh, catching up with you again on a personal uh, note, Dean, but also uh, for informing our listeners just uh, the insight on, uh, on Baz the immediate future. It looks like uh, he's with you, not us, but it's been a pleasure talking to you, mate, and I uh, hope to catch up with you at some stage shortly.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Always
5: a pleasure, Smithy. Take care, mate. Yeah, cheers. Take care, Dean. Thank you. Uh, Dean Wilson there, who is the chief uh, cricket writer for the Daily Mirror, has uh, been, had his finger on the pulse for years and years and years. All the time I've been going to England as a commentator, uh, Dean Wilson has been a writer. Uh, as you as he said, he's also a rugby writer as well. Um, he's just a, a fantastic wealth of knowledge, and he's broken the story. It'll happen. Don't you worry about that. The rumours, You can stop the rumours. Uh, this will be fact. Brennan McCullum, uh, as Dean says in the next 24 hours, will be the England Test cricket coach. It's 9.24 here on SENZ. And on top of that, of course, is the opportunity to win one of two double passes, premium passes these are, for the Blues versus the Reds at Eden Park on Saturday night. Might not be a chance for Cliff to get to that game, but certainly in the uh, in the running for the Chemist Warehouse voucher, Cliff, good morning to you, uh, the Brennan McCallum News, how did you take it?
7: Uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm happy for him, and I'm happy that England have got him. I thought Gary Kirsten might have been the guy that were really wanted for the Test side. He's he's proven with uh, South Africa and with India. Uh, I mean, he's a good Test player. He always has been, Kirsten. But look, Baz is, Baz is an innovative sort of a guy. He'll offer a lot. A lot of guys will really want to do it for him. Even even the England fellas, but I think England's cricket has got a problem that the county cricket is so weak at the moment. It's so splintered. It's not like it used to be. They don't play as many games. It's it's inconsistent of how how it runs. They don't get the international players going over there as much, playing a, a, a lot of cricket, so they don't face the likes of the Courtney Walshes, uh, the you know the guys that went there and, and got probably eighty to hundred wickets. So they don't get a look at them. And they don't get a lot of white ball, uh, red ball cricket themselves. Their England side has been very good with the 2020, and that's probably been a detrimental effect to their test side because a lot of these guys are in and out. you know. And there's been a lot of short-form stuff on. And it's, and it's probably been the same for the likes of Sri Lanka. It's hurt West Indies cricket. Their, their better players don't seem to want to play uh, the test whether there's no not enough money in it, whether they can swap around between the IPL and playing 50 over or 20 for West Indies. So, but, uh, you know, they've got bears and uh, they've got to work a, they've got a squad of players that they, that they trust, guys that have made runs in Red Bull cricket. You know, that's where it is. You've got to be able to make runs. You've got to be able to bat time, the old word, isn't it?
5: It is actually, Cliff, uh, you're dead right. Um, I, I think it's a poor indictment too um, that uh, Alistair Cook, is, or Sir Alistair Cook, seems to be the big form player in English county cricket. Cliff, thanks very much for your time. Uh, move on to John from uh, Auckland. John, good morning to you. Uh, Baz, a bit of a shock to even to me, and I, I thought I knew what was going on pretty well. What about you?
8: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm shocked. I mean, you know, I love the guy. He's uh, been an inspiration for a lot of us and as you would know, Smithy, that, you know, test cricket is still the ultimate, even to me. You know, as you are one of the purists, so you know that this this coaching gig is um, probably the main coaching gig. I know it's uh, separate roles. Um, you know, I still wish that he was involved with, with our team. Um, obviously, this is a big chance in his career to further his credentials in that coaching arena. Um, but, you yeah, just totally gutted that he's not in that New Zealand system, but actually happy for him. That he can, um, you know, I think that was his ultimate goal to become an international coach. Um, Like the the last caller said, uh, English cricket at the Test level isn't what it used to be. um, Where they rank now, fourth or fifth, Um, and they're probably one of the richest. at least, and they're one of the richest teams in the world, mate. And they've got all the resources there. Um, But uh, I think you alluded to it earlier in your show that he has this, um, you know, close relationship with uh, Owen Morgan and a lot of the English players. Um, which probably got him across the line. And as you know, after that 2015 World Cup, uh, England kind of tried to mimic how we played. And um, that Mm. was quite successful for them. And a lot of that had to be um, attributed to um, McCallum. So they're bringing him on board, um, gutted for us, but, you know, good on him and furthering his career, and it's,
5: um, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely, John. The, the other thing about it is, of course, we're surprised uh, because, I mean, it's not rugby, is it? We've had so many of our mm. top-line players and coaches head across to do rugby. It's like one a week seems to disappear or come back. Uh, this is cricket. Yeah, this exactly. is international cricket. And and the other thing, I guess, John, it's because it's against us first up, isn't it? And It's only three weeks away.
8: <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. And, and putting all, you know, my patriotism aside I'm happy for him and another I heard through a grapevine that Vittori might be heading with that Australian coaching gig as well so um, you know we've got a lot of Kiwi coaches now in cricket especially that you know a lot of international teams want and I think it's built on the success that our international team has built in the last 15 years I'd say Uh, but yeah absolutely gutted Uh, mate Um, but uh, what was that Smitty?
5: I was just going to say, John, um, when you make a decision to go uh, and do a job like this, one, uh, there's probably the most high-profile, second most high-profile job in England sport behind the England football coach. So he's going to have to, uh, they're going to have to play well. They're going to have to perform because uh, we just heard from one small part of the British media. Uh, They are tough. They are really tough judges and you've got to please them. Mm. Otherwise, you go on the back foot. They have to start well, which means, of course, beating us. Hey John, thanks very much for your call this morning, really appreciated it I've uh, got to move on, we've got quite a board fall this morning to get through so uh, thank you John uh, you're in the draw certainly for the chemist warehouse voucher and being an Aucklander of course uh, you've got uh, a chance at those tickets as well uh, Jared from Christchurch, Jared uh, tried to get hold of us yesterday, Jared I know it's uh, a subject we brought up yesterday and, and that's the stadium, I, you know every time I go down there I drive past this vacant lot and I'm waiting, what about as a Christchurch resident, how about you?
9: Oh, it's really um, pretty gutted, really, with, with uh, yet another uh, hold-up. Uh, you know, we've been waiting so long, and I thought it was all in concrete uh, before Christmas, that, you know, uh, things are going to start early this year, uh, and, and now we've got delays. And it's, it's just so frustrating. This city's been through enough, and, and it's time to get this going, uh, so that we can um, enjoy what we deserve in, in this city.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I look at it and I think I, I've seen the plans for it. I've seen what it'll look like. Uh, I mean, I've seen the location. Um, I, I just, I, I can't. Uh, but Crosschurch traditionally, it's always a little bit hard to change tradition, isn't it, down there? You look at Hagley Oval. Look at Hagley Oval and how much work had to put in. Then the lights on Hagley Oval, and we've seen how successful that is.
9: Oh, absolutely. Uh, but we, we had a great stadium, Smithy and we deserve to have that back. And, and a cupboard stadium, mm. and it's going to be a multi-sport or multi-purpose stadium uh, this 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 uh, city deserves, but hey uh, just going off that, Smitty uh, on the back of what we talked about this morning also with with Baz, mate I'm shocked, but I'm, I'm really pleased with the guy, and he, you know uh, Baz more than I do, but he's the type of guy that with a challenge, he rolls his sleeves up and, and will give it a crack, and I think he'll, he'll do very well and I think it'll put a, a full stop on his career you know, uh, as a coach of England and I'm sure he'll be very much up for the challenge.
5: Well, I can tell you right here and now uh, he has never backed off from a challenge, whatever he's done, Brendan McCullum, and that's away from cricket as well. He's taken things on and, and when he does, he, he gives it 100%. So I know that. The difficult part for him though, Jared, is he's going in very new and very, very quickly with not a lot of time up his sleeve.
9: Absolutely, he he uh, he's, he's taking on a monumental challenge, uh, and uh, and of course for his family, uh, it, it'll be a hell of a uh, change for them over there. He's going to have to spend a lot of time away, and and Kemper's going to have to settle up now uh, because we won't we won't hear bears back on ECMZ,
5: will we? Well, we we we'll get an interview every now and then. Uh, <laughs> we, we might pop home and do a guest slot in between test series from time to time, but. No, I think it's fair to say when you take on this role uh, Jared, then it is number one numero uno in your life uh, second only to your family it is such an important role in world cricket and particularly for uh, English sports so Jared, thank you very much for uh, calling back again today uh, you're in the draw to win the Chemist Warehouse voucher no doubt about that, Bruce from Christchurch as well good morning to you Bruce Good morning Ian um,
2: Brendan Barry McCullum what a fine young man hey look he probably would have played chess cricket longer if it wasn't for all those hours and years of wicket-keeping. And you know what that's like, how hard that is on the body. Um, he was still in pretty good form as a batsman, so he retired away from chess cricket probably too early. Um, he's never sure of a challenge. He, um, in, in, a, he in a crude sort of uh, cryptic, um, intelligent way. This may be his uh, door into te- coaching, maybe New Zealand and Test cricket in four, five, six, seven years' time. So that that was always more of his passion, I believe, rather than a short game. Um, hey, look, he's held in very high stead in in the motherland. He remember he was only one of two um, to present the. Cowdery lecture a few years ago mm. about the the spirit of cricket and the laws and so on, and that he's held very highly over there at the Lord's cricket. So um, he, you know, he turned New Zealand cricket round to this attacking, positive um, new sort of style of the game that we're, uh, you know, we've got into. And I, I believe he's probably been swayed by his friend, Owen Morgan, and and some contacts over there and, and thinks this is probably an opportunity to have a few years over there. He's got nothing to lose. How bad have England been? So, but, you know, whatever happens, he'll make a fine feast of it. I wish him all the very best. Um, hey, he'll even be able to... Um, uh, uh, maybe grab a couple of fine young racehorses out of the UK there. Um, uh, <laughs> so be it. That's another opportunity for Babs, and you know what he's like. He looks for opportunities. Um, and maybe settling in the UK for four or five years and not having to go to the IPO in India, it might be a better thing. So, hey, I wish him all the luck, and I'll be following it fondly. It will be rather strange to see... Do they sing the, the national anthem before
5: each test still living. Yeah, he'll be singing our one. I'll tell you what, um, he's got uh, New Zealand tattooed into his heart, so uh, he'll be singing our one, whatever happens in this coming series. But, um, yes, um, I don't think they do in test cricket. I've never seen, apart from a World Cup match, perhaps a national anthem being sung at lords of all places, Bruce. Thank you very much for your call, mate. I uh, really appreciate those, that input on bears. You sound like you, 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 you know I'm... Better than you think, actually, because he's such a a go-forward sort of a guy, roll-the-sleeves-up, follow-me kind of guy. That was the first thing he did when he took over New Zealand captaincy, of course, was to win the toss and bat on a green pitch in Cape Town and just say to the world, we're here, and this is how we're going to play it. Doesn't matter, we got up, bowled out in about an hour and 20 minutes. That did not matter. But uh, that was the attitude that Brennan McCullum uh, stayed with, uh, and then there's the reason why uh, he's so highly respected. This is a big job. Make no bones about it. This is one of the biggest jobs in world sport. Uh, at Brenna McCullum is about to take on, uh, and it will be confirmed in the next 24 hours. Thank you so much for your calls. We'll give a uh, we'll give a result very shortly on who's uh, won the, the rugby pass, uh, the rugby passes, and, and who's won the chemist uh, warehouse voucher for 50 bucks this morning. Intriguing. Thanks so much for your interest.
4: 9:45. He's the voice of sport in our this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2.
5: Well, this week's Harness Racing pick to raise funds for our charity, Women's Refuge, is uh, at Addington. It's Race 5, Number 8, it's called Republican Party, the odds aren't quite out yet, but uh, it's got a very good chance of winning, I know that, I know the horse, so... Uh, we're looking to add to our $395 for charity to that great cause, Women's Refuge. A little later in the show, we'll have our Greyhound for the week as well. But that is our uh, harness racing pick, Republican Party, race five, number eight at Addington tomorrow. A number of texts have come in, of course they have, because you love Baz and you're very passionate about what Baz is up to. Um, Baz going to England is absolutely gutting Smithy. Personally, I think he could have done wonders in the black cap set up and eventually become the head coach. Huge loss for New Zealand. Uh, He will do more for the England cricket team than Foster will do for the All Blacks. Uh, So that's uh, a big plus for Baz, I would imagine, thinking that uh, his innovation will certainly help. I mean, he'll change the way things are being done over there. No problem about that. Uh, Baz has named a horse previously you probably knew. Thank you, India, for his time in in India. And, of course, uh, how well the IPL has rewarded him over the years as a player and as a coach. So he named a horse. Thank you. Um England, and our Simon's come, uh, thank you, India. Now Simon's come in and said, how about I'm naming one, thank you, England. Uh, thank you, England. That's interesting. Uh, he probably will at some point, knowing Brendan McCullum. Uh, and thank you uh, is the name of the game there um, in terms of, that's the way English cricket are thinking at the moment. Here's an interesting one from Brendan. Uh, if this is true, Reba's, I'm absolutely gutted. I feel sick in the stomach if he's going to the Poms. Would, live, uh, would love him coaching in New Zealand. With rugby, where the used to coaches taking up national jobs, but not cricket. Baz is similar to Richie, and you'd think this wouldn't happen, meaning Richie McCaw. What's your view on this? Well, here's the thing about this. Uh, Baz is very, very uh, passionate about what he does, and that includes working for SENZ. A lot of people will say, well, that's him gone from the breakfast show. Well, yes, it might well be in that terms of that role, because he's going to be on the other side of the world doing things with English cricket. But uh, Brennan McCullum, when SENZ was first launched, was very, very invested in this product, very invested in the station, very invested in his show as Izzy as well. He'd have thought long and hard about walking away from the opportunity he's got here. But I can assure you right here and now, whilst he might not be part of the breakfast show ongoing, he will not be lost to SENZ. We will find, as he's a member of the initial member of this family, there will be a role for him somewhere within SENZ and we will be in regular contact with Brendan throughout this tenure as the England cricket coach. As Maybe as early as next week if we can get him on the blower. Certainly throughout the series, he will be able to come into this, uh, this station for us. So that, in a way, is advantageous. We lose him in one role, we gain him in another one. Brendan McCullum will not be lost to SENZ, I can promise you that. It is 9.54.
3: New Zealand for making Polaris New
4: Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ.
5: Yeah, just coming up to 10 o'clock, just time to tell you that yesterday's one was no good because the Rajasthan Royals were beaten by the Delhi Capitals. Pretty close, but we missed out yesterday. So today, Golden State to beat Memphis. This is the NBA playoffs, of course. Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry and co., to beat Memphis, uh, Stephen Adams and Co at a buck fifty-five. The Chennai Super Kings have had a pretty average season, but uh, not as bad as the team they're playing against tonight. Mumbai, uh, they were uh, they'll beat them at a buck seventy-three. I'm pretty sure. And tomorrow morning, really important EPL game around about the fourth, and third, and fourth spot, uh, fifth spot as well. Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, I've got the draw actually. I think Tottenham, Arsenal don't need to let Tottenham win by any stretch of the imagination. Not that they would, um, but a draw will do them. Uh, and, summing up the, and summing up that play. So $9.11 for that one. Golden State, Chennai, Tottenham, $9.11. Basketball after the break with Shane the Hammer heel.
4: Behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Weeks
3: with one last three. The 17-year drought is over. All hail the Kings. Mm. Sydney, the NBL 22 champions. 3 0 sweep of the Jack Jumpers. They win it 97 88.
5: That is the sound of the biggest ever grand final crowd in ANBL history. Courtesy of ESPN, 16,149 was the official number. That was them erupting at Kudos Bank Arena to celebrate the new champions of Aussie basketball, the Sydney Kings, winning Game 3 97 88. In a series sweep of the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. And while it was an incredible run for the league's newest team, it's been 17 years, yes, 17 in the making for the Kings. And one man who's probably feeling really pumped this morning after all of that is a Sydney Kings legend and the host of the basketball show, Shane Heal the Hammer. Welcome to the show, Shane. Uh, what an achievement. And uh, in the end, 3 0 says pretty dominant.
10: Morning, Smithy. Yeah, it's. Um... Yeah, it was a great great night for the Sydney Kings and great night for the NBL as well. You know, as you mentioned, over 16,000 people, new NBL record and just sort of shows the popularity of the sport uh, here in Australia for sure. And uh, there'll be some sore heads uh, this morning from some of the players, but I reckon Paul Smith, the owner, is probably going to have the sorest.
5: I would imagine he should too. Uh, Obviously, a lot of commitment as an owner. Uh, one of the great things he did was uh, put Chase Buford in charge. Not a bad first season.
10: Oh, how good was Chase Buford! Youngest player in the history of the NBL to be able to win a championship at only thirty-three years of age. But you could tell right, right from the start. We knew he had the pedigree with his dad being RC Buford, uh, who set up all the championships with the San Antonio Spurs. But um, you know, watching a couple of his sessions and just talking to him, he just oozed passion and great basketball mind and uh yeah he he did a great job hopefully the kings have got him for years to come shane
5: it uh, was an incredible finish to the season not just the playoffs but of course uh, the last period of, of of games going into the playoffs sensational run of form there what was the secret that he found to turn it around to that to that great degree
10: Well, they they had problems early in the season with with injuries, and a lot of people just wrote them off and didn't think they could get it done. And then obviously the form of Jalen Adams, who uh, ended up going on and winning the the MVP. The Kings won the, the championship without him in the last two games. So it just sort of shows the depth. Somebody like Ian Clark, that's won his own championship in the NBA, comes in just a quality player. He stepped up. He was huge yesterday. But I think Xavier Cooks too. He is just so underrated. And uh, hopefully the form that he's showed in this uh, NBL season gives him the opportunity to get to the NBA because I think he's up to it.
5: Let's look at, and uh, we can't not acknowledge the achievement of the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Now this. This is one of the, I think, one of the best sports stories in quite some time, particularly, uh, I would imagine, an Australian sport. First up, straight through, uh, and, uh, and being very competitive. I mean, going to the last quarter last night, they actually had the
10: lead. Uh, it really is. Uh, like, we've never seen it before, a brand-new team go to a grand final, and they didn't have a big budget. They didn't have a whole lot of superstars. Um, they've got the coach of the year in Scott Roth thought he did an unbelievable job of setting the culture for these guys. And they played hard every single game. And you're right, even last night, they had two of their starters that didn't take the court. They, they had the flu, um, but other guys stepped up. And they were so competitive for the first three quarters that, um, yeah, very, very impressive stuff. I'm not sure we'll see this done from a brand-new team again.
5: Let's look at, uh, just going back to the Kings, um, no one likes to break up a winning combination, uh, how are they looking for next year in terms of player retention, uh, particularly of their uh, superstar players?
10: Well, the the problem you have when you win a championship is everybody's prices rise. And, uh, you know, I know that the Kings management and ownership are going to be very nervous going into free agency, uh, trying to retain some of the superstars that have just taken their game to another level. So there'll be other clubs, obviously, that are going to bid up on on those guys to try and Pull this thing apart, and uh, the, I, I guess the interesting thing will be is do some of these guys stay for less money to try and go back to back? And that's always the big question.
5: Uh, I just uh, on another a note, I, I saw a, a clip building into the game yesterday, and they were focusing on uh, Chase Buford, but uh, they also had uh, sitting alongside him. I think it was, it might have been a, just a, a shoot around scenario. Uh, luke longley was there is he involved or or is he just an interested party was he involved with the kings at all
10: no he's been he's been an advisor now for the sydney kings for the last few years since paul smith came on board so yeah plays a really varied role He's, he's so astute he's had a whole lot of success uh brings a level of poise and gives advice to the players to chase buford and even paul smith the owner owner and um and ceo of as far as you know, constructing the team and all the rest of it. So he's played a really big hand in this success.
5: All right. Speaking of new teams uh, coming into the league and the success of the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers, the league might be encouraged uh, to expand uh, again on the basis of what they've seen. You had uh, NBL uh, Executive Chairman Larry Kestelman on the Basketball Show this week. What is what is the, the plans going around uh, the league in the in the years to come?
10: Oh, there's no doubt this is a shot in the arm for expansion uh, in the NBL, and Larry Kesselman said on our show that we've got the you know the lowest amount of teams for any professional league you know around Australia and around the world. Even in Europe, uh, they have a whole lot more teams. And I started thinking about it, and he's right. Uh, there's lots of room for expansion. I think when you have the success of sellout crowds like they have in Hobart, uh, there is no doubt teams will be lining up, and I think the first place is probably Canberra. Uh, But he did mention the fact that uh, they want another team in Sydney, a second team in Sydney. There's talk of a team in Perth and there's also talk of a third team in Melbourne.
5: Okay, so uh, it it seems that you, I guess you've got to cash in while it's hot and it's not not going to be uh, much hotter than it is in in the New South Wales uh, area at the moment, Uh, but it's uh, not quite so hot over here. Uh, we got news overnight that uh, Dan Shamir had stepped down as the head coach for the New Zealand Brokers. Uh, were you surprised by by that decision?
10: Well, not really. I mean, you know, we'd spoken about it on your show before. There seemed like there was a fair bit of pressure on Dan Shamir, but, you know, not really having too many home games over the last few years would have been tough as well, travelling around, uh, living in Australia, and, and not really having that home court advantage and just venue to be able to... Um, have any sort of stability so it would have been a turbulent time for him and you know interesting to know what sort of process they went through to be able to replace him or whether they just handed the reins to his assistant coach and what sort of experience he's got I don't know uh, but it's certainly interesting times uh, for the breakers.
5: Yeah he's gone to uh, Modi Maoa, um has just been an assistant along the lines I mean Dan Shamir always is going to talk glowingly about his prospects but Uh, we're looking probably at a a fairly inexperienced coach taking over a franchise which uh, probably needs a lot more experience to get it back on track and and to attract players as well.
10: Well, I guess that's the key, isn't it? Um, They're really going to have to rebuild. And I feel like we've been saying that for a few years with the breakers, but it's probably been the import selections that's been the the biggest concern over the last few years where you really just haven't got the results. I mean, you've got guys like Finn Delaney that have been awesome, some of those locals, but um, it certainly has been a turbulent few years and difficult times. So you sort of feel for them, understand it's been tough, but hopefully next year they get home and start laying some foundations to be able to grow to the powerhouse they once were.
5: Brian Gourgion, where does he coach next?
10: Well, I don't know. I hope he coaches though. I mean, he's, he's the greatest coach we've had in the NBL and um, he stepped down from the Illawarra Hawks, which it's a little bit of a shock. Um, he's saying that he won't be coaching in the NBL next year, but gee, you'd have to think if you're the Perth Wildcats and miss the playoffs for the first time in 33 years, that they'd be having a crack. And also Southeast Melbourne. He's, uh, his partner and his daughter lives in, in Melbourne. You would have to think at his age now um, that he would want to get back home. He hasn't coached there for a long time after spending 10 years in China. So it would be really interesting to see where he lands. I just hope he's in the league.
5: Can we just pop across uh, to the crucial stage of the NBA playoffs, Shane, if we can, uh, just briefly and talk about uh, an interesting matchup. Today in Tech 2, Celtics and the Bucks. Now, a lot of people thought the Bucks would run away with this series. Not the case. And Game 5 uh, underway this morning.
10: Yeah, the Celtics have been great. And uh, I think what added to that too, though, is that Chris Middleton has missed this entire series. So that's a big chunk out of the Bucks lineup. I think they've done really well, uh, the Bucks considering they've been playing without him. Um, but that's still a flip of the coin, that series. That could go either way. And, just never ride right off Giannis. he's just been an incredible athlete and a great leader for uh, their chance to try and go back to back
5: golden state this afternoon um, holding a an advantage a 3-1 advantage over uh, the grizzlies just wonder if this will be it for the grizzlies the end of the road this afternoon
10: yeah they'll get one last haymaker at uh, golden state but you like that the golden state warriors chances don't you just the veteran mentality and, you know, full strength now with Draymond back and Klay Thompson's got a lot of games under his belt and Steph back from injury as well. So you think they're going to be peaking at the right time and, you know, I'd love to see them play against Phoenix, you know, for the Western Conference uh, Championship and uh, I think that'd be a great matchup again.
5: Massive second-half performance by the Phoenix Suns yesterday. It looked as though if... Uh, uh, they were in line, the Dallas Mavericks. They were toe-to-toe, really. In fact, they held the lead for most of the first half. But that was, in the end, quite a blowout.
10: Yeah, well, my co-host, Derek Rucker, has been sprouting off about the Dallas Mavericks you know, all year and, and then thinking that they're going to be able to beat Phoenix. But I just like how much experience that Phoenix have got. and uh, You know, with uh, uh, Booker and Chris Paul, just guys that are just so mentally tough to be able to get it done and just feel like they're going to come through and be able to get this series.
5: And uh, the reintroduction um, of uh, Joel and Beebe of course, has helped Philadelphia, but not so much yesterday and uh, along with James Harden, they were completely outplayed by Jimmy Butler and co. 120 to 85. So Miami, just one game away to advance.
10: It's all fluff smithy don't worry about that in philadelphia they talk a big game but you just i can't trust harden when it gets to um playoffs that's for sure he sort of plays a good game and then goes missing and uh you expect a whole lot more from him but i think jimmy butler and miami they're just they've got a different culture they've got a toughness they do it by committee and uh yeah they've been they've been terrific and they've got a real shot at Really competing for this decent conference uh, championship that they've been talking about for a while.
5: Shane, just uh, finally before we let you go, any uh, I imagine the, the celebrations for the Kings will be ongoing as a as one of their greats of the past. Do you get involved in that? Will it be even a reunion or something of that uh, that side that last uh, that won it way back in your day, or uh, how will you celebrate?
10: No, I'm actually uh, on the way to the airport going to Queensland. So uh, I didn't take uh, part in the celebration. So all the, uh gave all the hugs and the kisses and, uh, you know, all the rest of it and, and respect the players and coaches and everybody that was involved that did the hard work. And, uh, and then you let them be, let them enjoy it. And uh, I'm sure they will celebrate long and hard. Uh, hopefully for the weeks to come, I, I said to Angus Glover, I said, mate, you got to carry the torch on this one. You've got to, you've got to keep these guys celebrating for a while.
5: <laughs> good on you, mate. Absolutely brilliant to catch up with you. Thanks uh, for your help in the, throughout the NBL season as well, and uh, we'll keep an eye on those predictions for the NBA. Enjoy it. I know you're going in the opposite direction, but uh, with it, you'll be taking some celebration with you, I'm sure. Thanks for your time this morning, Shane Hill.
10: Good on you, mate. We'll see you next year.
5: Yeah, good on you. Thanks. Uh, Shane the Hammer Hill, folks, uh, on the way to Queensland as we speak. Uh, not quite able to stick around in Sydney and uh, lap it up uh, as he should do as one of the former great players for uh, the Sydney Kings. But yes, they are the 2021-2022 NBL champions over the brave, the very, very brave Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Uh, we shall have a panel next uh, when we return. It's 10:17 on SCNZ.
3: Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand.
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions,
5: the panel. Very pleased to say our panel this morning consists of Ollie Ritchie and Ross Carl. have been veterans of the panel, and we've got some pretty enticing subjects to talk about this morning. Ross Carl, can I start, uh, start with you, please? Brendan McCullum, deserting the ship, is he or not? Please, let us know.
11: Well, I, I think that it sounds like a good idea. From what I've read, it sounds like it's a done deal. I mean, you know as well as anyone, Smithy, you talk to him, he's a deep thinker. He's an innovator. He's a great communicator. He's a good analyst. Um, that's a great
5: get for England. It's a great get for England. It's a, I think it's a great get for Brendan McCullum as well. Now, I've I got to be honest with you, I, I know him pretty well. Uh, this is a, a fairly recent thing. I think he was just anticipating finishing up with KKR coming back and doing some radio. Uh, Ross, that's not going uh, to be happening for a while now. <laughs> no,
11: no. I mean, it's a long-term gig to get a test start going the way that you want it to be. You really want Three, four, five years in a row, wouldn't you? You don't want to be in and out. Um, you want to stamp your mark, get your players developed. There, there's a lot that will go on there with that side and especially with the way that England separate their coaches out. You know, you, you really want to, to make a solid stamp in your particular area and because um, you're really showing up for the thing that you specialize in. So, so uh, it's going to be great for Brendan, but it is definitely a long-term thing. And as you know, the English press are as ruthless as anyone. So you want to be
5: good at your job when you're doing it there. Yeah, I'm not sure he's going to get instant success. We hope not because it's against us, Ollie Ritchie. What have you made of Brendan's decision here? No it's not officially, uh, you know, drawn up as such, but uh, we're told it's a done deal. It will be announced later today. What, what are you hearing, and, and what's your reaction to it?
12: Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Um, he's an aspiring coach, and you know, this is a, a plum gig. Uh, for Brendan McCullum, what an opportunity to to lead England's test side, who are uh, at all sorts. whether it? One win out of their last seventeen test matches. I mean, he's got a heck of a challenge on his hands, that's for sure. Um, trying to, to rebuild that side, but I think uh, you know he'd enjoy working with a guy like like Ben Stokes, a, a fresh captain, uh, and there, an aggressive player, much like Brendan was uh, in his time. So you can certainly understand the appeal and the attraction um, from Brendan McCullum's perspective, but. You know, I've got to say, as a New Zealand cricket fan, Smithy, it's it's going to be tough to see one of our all-time greats, um, you know, wearing the England kit and you know trying to plot the Black Caps downfall. I think that'll that'll take some getting used to for a lot of Kiwi cricket fans.
5: I haven't spoken to Brendan personally. I, I, I will be later this afternoon. Uh, but I, I just wonder, uh, Ollie, too, whether there's an opportunity here for. You know, we know how dynamic he's been. He reinvented the way 50 over cricket uh, to be played, and and England adopted it and turned around and beat us. Uh, I I just wonder whether he might be enticed to be part of the white ball program as well.
12: Yeah, well, I was surprised to to see his name linked with the test program as opposed to the white ball program. Um, You know, very good mates with Owen Morgan, the England uh, white ball skipper, so... Um, I thought that that would be a great fit for a guy like Brendan McCullum to to move into that role and bring everything um, that he's done in in the shorter form of the game and all the success that he's had and and the innovation that he brought to it um, and instill some of that in, in England's white ball side. Um, you know that would have been a great addition, but it, it sounds as though um, he was more keen on on trying to lead the Test side and, and turn the Test side around. Um, you know, and he he did a lot in, in red Bull cricket for. Uh, New Zealand as well, um, as you well know, Smitty. So, um, you know, I, I certainly thought that uh, he would be leading their, their side in the shorter form of the game. But, you know, what a challenge it is for, for Brendan to take on to try and turn around their test team as well.
5: Yeah, it's a real challenge. Uh, probably not as great a challenge, I would think, at the moment, as Nathan Brown has got to turn the Warriors around Ross Carl. Boy, has there been some reaction to that performance last weekend. And generally speaking, there is whatever they do but uh, a lot of vitriol coming through to this station, a lot of frustration to this station as well. What he said has come out and said, which sounds pretty obvious to me anyway, they're spending too much time defending, and that's why they're losing. Uh, well, well, I, mean, okay, I Russ, what
11: that's, mean, that's probably simplifying it from my point of view. Yes, they are spending a lot of time defending. They're last in the possession stakes. They're tenth in the completion stakes. They're the second most missed tackles, um, fourth most ineffective tackles it's uh, not that they're spending time defending, they're spending time defending badly. Um, and when you add that to their attack, they're dead last in tackle breaks, their 13th and line breaks, dead last in post-contact metres. When they do have the ball, they're ineffective too. So to, to just talk about possession is probably definitely talking it down. They're struggling across the board, Smithy.
5: Yeah, they are struggling across the board. Um, Ollie, it's uh, the team we love to love, but we we tend to hate more than we get the chance to love them. Uh, but quite, to me, that's quite a, a weird sort of a statement to say we're spending too much defending. Well, you're spending too much time defending because you're not, you know, you're not attacking as much because you're not creating as much, surely.
12: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Smithy, and kudos to Ross Carl for those stats there. That's the man who's come to the panel prepared. I'm very impressed um, and not surprised at all with the work ethic I know Ross Carl has. Um, but you're absolutely right, Smitty. Um, this Warriors team is at all sorts. They don't look... Like uh, they don't look like scoring when they when they have the ball in hand, um, you know. And, and spending a lot of time defending is, a, is must be surely a direct result um, of what they're able to do with the ball in hand because they can't conjure anything up. So they kick it back to the opposition. Who can make it work? Who can get tries? Who can um, you know get those post contact meters? Um, and we're we just being made to look amateurish uh, at the moment. You know, we we thought the return of Sean Johnson was going to be the great saviour. Uh, of the Warriors, well, you know, he showed up about once this season with a couple of field goals um, to win it in, in Golden Point. Um, you know, where's he? Where's Sean Johnson leading the side and, you know, trying to drum up at something with the ball in hand to get the Warriors going? He's just gone missing and he's been, you know, showed up uh, by his opposition on countless occasions.
5: Yeah, it's almost a subject for a crime watch program, isn't it? Where's Sean Johnson? I just thought of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, anyway, just, just mo- moving along on a better note uh, and a cricketing one as well. Ross, I see Ajaz Patel's shirt went for, in the end, twenty seven thousand three hundred and fifty bucks for Starship. What a great gesture!
11: That is great news, and and big of the the man to give it away. You know, such a special piece of premium brilliant for him on such a special day. Um, that that's great for Starship, and it's a. Uh, a great thing that players are thinking like that and giving back
5: to society. Yeah, personal too. Uh, he's had uh, a child in Starship and well, and that's obviously what triggered it for him and his wife to, to put that forward. Uh, yeah, wonderful. 27350 was the final bid for his uh, shirt, the 10-wicket shirt uh, that he achieved in Test cricket, of course. Hey, it's 10.30, fellas. If you stay with us uh, just a little bit longer, uh, we've got some rugby to talk about after the news here with Araha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Ross Carl with us this morning, as is Ollie Ritchie. And Ollie let's turn our attention to the national game rugby, of course. uh, Even though Michael Hooper seems to be quite excited by the form of the Australian sides leading into the international season, is he being a bit premature or is he justified?
12: Um... I think he's justified on one team. I mean, the Brumbies have been outstanding this year. They they fully deserve to be, um, you know, in that top two position on the ladder. Um, you know, they've beaten every New Zealand side they've played. If you you know rewind a year when the the Aussie teams couldn't buy a win over the um, over the Kiwi sides in Super Rugby Trans Tasman, this year um, it's a lot different. The, the Brumbies have been brilliant but as for the rest of them I would say he's absolutely dreaming I mean the Reds have had every possible opportunity to to get wins over the New Zealand sides and haven't been able to you know you're losing to the Highlanders by far uh the worst Kiwi side um you know the Waratahs yes they picked up the Crusaders but you get the feeling that was a a bit of a one-off um you know a great Waratahs performance mixed with a bit of an average Crusaders performance um but you know I think for the most part they're trending upwards and that's largely thanks to the Brumbies who have been very good and that Brumbies Crusaders match this weekend will be a terrific watch um, but certainly um, I can't see this turning into uh, a Wallabies revival and, and suddenly they're winning the Bledisloe Cup on Eden Park
5: No, I, you know That will be the acid test won't it? Uh, once again when they turn up uh, how many hapless, hapless coaches have turned up and how many times has Michael Hooper turned up to do losing interviews? That's interesting as well. But um, I, I think there is a little bit of justification there. Um, uh, I, I would imagine that um, Dave Rennie's pretty excited too, uh, Ross, about particularly getting his squad together on the basis of 15 of the Brumbies are in and amongst it as well.
11: Well, exactly. And I think if you look at Ollie's crusaders over the years and when the All Blacks been stacked with them, that you'll, you'll see that they've been pretty successful. So all you really need is one really strong team with good cohesion. They understand each other inside and out, complement them with players from other squads. There's some players coming through. The Waratahs set up on the up. There's some good players in the Reds set up. You know, there's some fantastic players who star amongst a, a bad bunch in the Rebels. I think that he's got a really good chance with a really good team. And the Brumby side know how to set peace. They know how to attack off set-piece. They know how to maul, but they also know how to get it out into the midfield channels and attack them there from set-piece. So they've got a lot of options, and that will provide Dave Rennie with a great basis for his team. And, you know, when we see the Brumbies possibly upset the Crusaders this weekend, um, people will then be thinking, oh, no, this, this is a, a real thing. Because when you look at this Brumbies side and how they're going, and you look what they've done away from home, you think about what's at stake this weekend. If they win this game, then the Crusaders will probably have to go back there for a semi-final and do it again. They're going to be up to this game, because this game could be their chance at making the final. It might all rest on this game, and so I think there's a really good chance that they're going to
5: win. Ross, I, I wasn't able to watch it, but I was at a function. I saw... Over someone's shoulder, that uh, you had James Parsons on your uh, regular show as with Bryn Hall, as always, it's the case. Looked like Bryn Hall was doing it from an airport somewhere. But what, what is the feeling within the Crusaders about this after that win last weekend?
11: I think they're pretty positive. Um, they've got a very strong team lineup. A bit surprised by Leicester Flynn and not being in that side, but they know that they got a bit of a rev up after that loss to the Waratahs. Um, they had to have a good look at themselves and their tactics, um, the way that they work their kicking game. Um, and they had to make sure that they were executing um, in the moments that they needed to, which is kind of straight off a little bit. And they showed that they could do that on the weekend against the Force. They've obviously got strike players. Um, I think that they're very confident, especially with the likes of Scott Barrett back and, you know, getting some regular time um, at first five. Um, So, you know, uh, for... Oh goodness me! I've just had an absolute brain fart. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yes, yeah, so, so they're, they're, I think they're pretty happy. They're pretty happy, um, and I think they're pretty confident. But they know that this Brumbies team is super hot, and that's what Brent had to say. Look, this is no pushover. This is not a walk over there to get this win. We're going to have to really earn this thing.
5: Yeah, Cody Taylor comes back as well, Ollie. So with Scott Barrett uh, coming back, hopefully on his best behaviour. Um, and all of a sudden that's a lot of experience to throw back into a pack for a big occasion and Brumby's Crusaders games particularly in Canberra over the years have also pretty much set, set the tone for the competition there have been some great battles
12: Yeah, some absolute crackers um, you think back to, to 2004 um, you know, a great final that was although it didn't go um, the Crusaders way which was pretty tough growing up in Christchurch-Smithy I must say um, but you're right. This has been a, a, a great rivalry over the years, dating back to you know, particularly the early days of of Super Rugby. Um, you're right. Cody Taylor back into that side. Scott Barrett back into that side. This is a stacked Crusaders team. Um, I completely agree with Ross. I'm very surprised Lester Fanganuku was was left out of that starting lineup because I think he's been one of the Crusaders' best this year. Such a threat with ball in hand. So powerful. Uh, gets you over that advantage line. So I'm a little surprised to see him on the bench, but he'll provide some great impact. And importantly, Noah Lolicio for the Brumbies, who's um, been steering that ship very well, he's out uh, this weekend. So that's a massive loss for the mm. Brumbies um, and, and an area that uh, the Crusaders will, will certainly be looking to exploit. Richard Moanga obviously slotting in there at 10. So um, it's a, a stacked Crusaders team. Um, you know, a Crusaders team that got given a river after the Waratahs lost, came out, pumped the force, uh, in first, But this is the litmus test. Can they do it in Canberra? Can they do it against the red-hot Brumbies? Uh, I, I think they can. Uh, they'll need a bonus point if they want to go straight past them into second place. But they'll know that a, a home semi-final essentially rides on this performance.
5: The other thing about that Brumbies side is uh, Valentini's out as well. And by God, was mm. he good last weekend in that loose forward trio. So he's out with a hamstring problem, and that may affect the Brumbies going forward. Uh, a bit of uh, catch-up to do there in that area. Uh, but the other thing, Ollie, of course, uh, the other high-flying side, of course, uh, in the top bracket is the Blues, who get a bit more of an acid test than they did last week against uh, Brad Thorne's Reds this weekend. Yeah, uh, much
12: more of an acid test. Uh, they won't certainly won't enjoy the uh, free-flowing try fest that they did against the Rebels. But, you know, I've been pretty disappointed with the Reds this year. You know, that first half against the Hurricanes in and, and the Magic Round or the Super Round in, in Melbourne, I thought, yeah, the Reds are the real deal here. They're here to play. Um, you know, they obviously blew that 17-point lead. They haven't been able to conjure up a win against the Kiwi side since. Um, you know, coming to Eden Park to try and do it against the Red Hot Blues is going to be a massive test for them, a massive ask. I don't think they'll be able to do it, but you're right, Smitty, this is um, a, a real test for the Blues, uh, essentially, um, sorry, especially before they travel over to Canberra to face the Brumbies next week. So two big games are uh, coming up for the Blues. I think they'll be OK against the Reds, uh, at home, but it's not the kind of game they can afford to slip up on knowing they have to go to Canberra to face the Brumbies next week.
5: Uh, Ross, Carl, there could be a bit of a windfall in the in the coffers for New Zealand rugby in particular very shortly. Of course, the Silver Lake deal, uh, June the 2nd, is the vote day. Um, so we we wait with bated breath for that and the, the, the ongoing results from that particular vote. Also, of course, this mooted competition towards the end of the year which uh, will involve the All Blacks in a northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere duel, um, the way it looks. And of course, television rights will mean that'll be a windfall as well. So uh, more drain on the players as such, I would think. Um, How how do you see this uh, eventuating or do you see this eventuating?
11: It has to happen in some form at some stage doesn't it? Because people want to see more of those games between the Northern and Southern Hemisphere teams, especially with the way that the Northern Unions have become so strong and South African clubs being based up there and probably seeing less of the Springboks. I think we really need that for global rugby to have that but then also have stepping stones for those Tier 2 nations to get into those flashes. Um, So I I think that it's, it's vital. We've got to find new revenue streams but You know, Joe Marlowe also referenced the fact that we need to find people who are willing to come. So we can't just think about television revenue streams. We've got to think about making this game a little sexier, um, both in the northern and southern hemisphere. And maybe this is one way people like a new competition. People um, like a new concept and they'll get on board at least for a period of time. It might not be a long term fix for all of rugby's issues that it needs to overcome, but at least in the short term, it'll provide plenty of interest.
5: Uh, Ollie Ritchie, the Silver Lake vote too on uh, June the second. Are you hearing uh, any whispers about this? Uh, it's quite crucial in terms of the financing of New Zealand rugby going forward, uh, uh, and there may well be a stumbling block. We haven't heard too much for a while.
12: Yeah, it's certainly, um, it's been roadblock after roadblock for for Silver Lake, and I think um, you know the, the sooner this deal can can happen or, or not happen, the better. I think it will get over the line at the end of the day uh this game needs money. The provincial unions, they need money as well. Um, so they, they um, you know, they went back to New Zealand rugby with what, you know, they thought were, were fair and reasonable uh changes to the to the current deal, but there's been so many changes to this deal, um, you know, since it was first tabled. Um but at the end of the day, as I say some of the, the the game needs money, the unions need money, um, they need this injection of cash. So, you know, I think they will find a way um, to come to terms and to get the deal over the line because the game badly needs it.
5: Okay, Ollie Ritchie has been with us this morning. So has Ross Carl. Thank you very much, gentlemen, with your thoughts on a, a wide range of uh, subjects. Uh, there, we'll have another panel, same time tomorrow morning, with a couple of new panelists at ten forty-three.
3: New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side by side brand.
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You
5: hear that? Israel Dag bleeds red and black. Where's his memory? Where's his memory gone? White and black, Israel. You're a magpie. White and black. Redo that ad, will you? Please redo that ad. Right, now let's look at some of these texts that have come in this morning. Uh, Martin's come in and said, Hey, Smithy, how will the English public react to having a foreigner leading the home of cricket? Well, uh, they've had foreigners in the past. Trevor Bayliss, of course, won the World Cup. He was an Australian uh, with uh, Owen Morgan. Andy Flower, there's been others as well. Uh, Duncan Fletcher, I think, uh, basically Zimbabwean. Uh, So they've had a a few over the years. So um, I I don't think that will worry worry them one iota, Um, especially a Kiwi. uh, You're right, it doesn't seem that long ago, 1986 when Mike Gadding and a number of English cricketers referred to the New Zealand cricket team as the Ilford 2nd Eleven, um, And uh, that sparked up the New Zealand cricket team uh, enough for them to beat England at Tret Bridge in 1986 on the back of a John Bracewell 100. Uh, so yeah, they poked the bear there and the old Kiwi teddy bear came through. Look, as far as Brennan is concerned, uh, he's very popular around the world. Uh, they will believe in him. They'll give him a great opportunity, more so than they would have given most of the appointments they would have made. But... Uh, Uh, Glenn from Hobsonville says, I'm a big fan of Brendan, however, I personally could never play or coach against New Zealand. Graham, good on you. Uh, Sorry, Glenn, good on you. I appreciate those thoughts. I know that uh, the old Kiwi fern is uh, very much close to your heart, and uh, that is a wonderful gesture, but it is the way of the sporting world that people just tend to chop and change a wee bit now, and uh, it can happen overnight, as it has in this particular place. Uh, Zaid has come in. Wouldn't be a show without hearing from Zaid at least once, Zaid. Um, He is uh, disappointed that Brendan McCullum is going to coach England. He is a big fan of him. He can still be one, uh, but just not in the next series because it's up against us, eight. Uh, Of course, you've also noted that Chris Lynn has gone from the Brisbane Heat as well. After 11 years, of course, they were the Bash brothers, weren't they? Chris Lynn and Brendan McCullum in the Big Bash League. They have gone. Uh, So there you go. There you go. Uh, It is... uh, uh, the news I, I think that uh, everyone is expecting it'll come in the next uh, 12 to 20 hours, I would think, out of England from the ECB. They will have to rubber stamp it as well that Albaz, yes, Albaz is going to coach the England Test cricket team against us beginning on June the 2nd, of course. And we will have that coverage here on SENZ and our commentary team will consist of uh, Jeremy Coney uh, as well as Daniel Norcross. i will have uh, Nikesh Ragani, Craig McMillan, and you'll be able to hear that ball-by-ball uh, ball here on SENZ uh, and all your various frequencies without the country, so throughout the country. So even more interest now, of course, in that series. 60
3: a.m. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand.
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: The loveracing.nz update, your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
5: Louis Herman Watt with us this morning as usual. Louis uh, racing at Whanganui this weekend, a nice little appetizer for what's coming up at the, the, uh, the weekend, in fact, uh, Whanganui today. Uh, and then, of course, we've got uh, Doombin being transferred to Eagle Farm, so... Interesting developments there.
1: Yes, that's it, Smithy. Uh, it was pretty wet over in Queensland, so they've made that. The Eagle Farm track dries better than Doombin. Today at Whanganui, you're right, 10 minutes to the first, so you can have a punt while you're on air. you will call it home for us. They've got the jumps racing going on today. And you know when you get a wet track, and it is a heavy track at Whanganui today, you know when you get a heavy track at Whanganui, you look for, the, uh, you look for those hardened trainers that get their horses fit. The Kevin Myers, the Johnny Wheelers, and boy oh boy has there been some market support around Chief Sequoia, who was a really talented jumper uh, in the first there in the steeple. So Chief Sequoia, Sam O'Malley up for uh, Johnny Wheeler, and he's got another couple throughout the day. Um, Both him and Kevin Myers have a strong hand to play. Race 8 the rating 74, you just need to make sure that when, you've got, when you're punting these uh, heavy, heavy tracks, that you really look for the heavy track form because the jumpers will go through and completely mush it up. Um, Z, for Z, Z for Z is right there in race number eight, right in the market, and Kevin Myers has Botti as well, two nice each-way chances there. And then you're right, it's this weekend, Smithy. Is on trivier good enough from that wide gate?
5: Well, Johnny Barry says to me, and that was a shame, the barrier draw was a shame, but Johnny Barry always maintains to me, and he should know, he sent a few over there uh, with uh, with success, first run off the plane, best run of the campaign. Uh, that's It's his little jingle oh. that he has to go together. So a lot of these horses, and I'm talking here about Babylon Berlin, Iconic, Star, Judicaka, yes. Dark Destroyer, Ruach, just not on Trivia, first up. Love it. And I think
1: Babylon Berlin is a lovely chance. J-Mac on the wide gate... The only thing is, I don't know. I mean, she's got, oh, she does. She's got the heavy track form. Be- beg your pardon. She's got that heavy track form, Smithy. Uh, mm. This could be a lovely chance. With J Mack up, she is one of our more talented sprinting mares. I'm very excited to see her go around. And the other one is Pinarello. Two, uh, he's he's Tavistock bred. Um, he's beautiful. Out of that Zonza, lovely mare. Pinarello, Leith up for Roger James and Robert Wellwood in the rough habit. And then On Entrevier
5: each way all day. The Kiwis will be on fire this weekend. I can see it. On fire yesterday was Pip Morris uh, at the Greyhounds. And uh, Pip, good morning to you again. Cambridge and Addington today.
2: Good morning, dear, Smithy. Yeah, plenty to look forward to. 10 race starter, Quite like Romantic Bell as my best bet there at Cambridge and race four. 220 off the A salary
10: for Peter Ferguson,
2: who of course has the harness uh, runners in later on at Cambridge as well. $5,000 guaranteed first force at Addington, two this evening. Bonus back races at Wanganui for the Thoroughbreds including a $25,000 lake. And in those two bonus back races as well, uh, Smithy the best back in race one is Chief Sequoia, and in race two, Bojie, so that's money playing. And just quickly, of course, magic round for the NRL, and there's been a $5,000 multi put on, and one, you know, I should you say, under 36.5 total points in the Storm V Panthers game, which you can see beat the Roosters at 166 on these tracks.
5: Pip Morris from the TAB there, of course, uh, a greyhound racing aficionado as well. We have Ricardo Ball straight after the 11 o'clock news coming up uh, with uh, everything about uh, the EPL and football in general, including, of course, our Phoenix. Here's Ottawa.
4: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
5: Eleven oh three here on SENZ and one of my favourite times of the week is talking about football with uh, this man Ricardo Ball, and uh, it's very, very interesting at this point of the season. Not just on this side of the world, because we've got playoff times in the A League, uh, but of course it's getting to the crunch time of the EPL at both ends of the table. Now there are four games played this morning in the EPL. Chelsea, who are in third place, uh, mopped up Leeds three nil. They had a player sent off. Leeds, uh, they're in trouble. Leicester three nil over Norwich. Watford, Everton, and they'll all draw. Crucial result there may be for Everton. Watford are gone. Uh, Wolves, Manchester City. Manchester City, as you would predict, they were comfortably. But they whopped them. Absolutely dealt to them. 5-1 away. So that was a great result, which means now, of course, Manchester City and Liverpool are both tied up. Uh, both have played 36 games. But uh, in terms of the points, Manchester City are 3-3, three, three very valuable points ahead. The other end of the table, Burnley are teetering on the edge, but Leeds United are doing a great job and digging themselves into a deep hole as well. Ricardo, good morning to you.
13: Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Well wrapped up.
5: Well, uh, mate, uh, crucial games, weren't they? Absolutely crucial times. We want to talk about a couple of players toing and throwing as well, but significance of that now with, uh, with when you look at the table, Manchester City, uh, yeah, three points clear of Liverpool. Chelsea have wrapped up third. Arsenal still still floating around with Spurs, but uh, really just just starting to lose that race. More importantly, down the bottom there, leads it uh, leads an opportunity to maybe get a point out of Chelsea this morning, which could have been valuable, and they get a hiding as well. So, results pretty much going to plan there this morning? Pretty much, except for probably
13: Everton. I mean, Watford, I'd think, it had, uh, had not won at home in 11 games straight, so, you know, and, and they'd already been relegated. So, for me, that's one that Everton could rue at the end of the season if Leeds can get um, uh, get their act together. But, I, I mean, looking at that at the moment, I don't know that that's going to happen. I mean, uh, they Leeds just keep shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, against Arsenal uh, last weekend, they had Luke Ayling, the captain, sent off for a really bad tackle, so bad that he's been suspended for three games. So he won't play again this season. He's one of their key defenders as well. They've lost Stuart Dallas to injury, who's one of their key midfielders, uh, can play uh, various positions. And then Daniel James this morning uh, will the score was still 1-0. Uh, he goes in two-footed on Mario Kovacic and gets sent off as well. Probably be another game, uh, another card that'll pick up a multi-game suspension. So I doubt we see him again this season. And, and Leeds are already down on numbers. Um, so yeah, I think this, is, this has been uh, a disaster uh, for Leeds the last couple of games. I mean, while it was Arsenal and Chelsea, you might not think that they were going to get anything out of it. But the uh, the knock on effects of the injuries and the suspensions are going to certainly make it a lot harder for them going forward. And, you know, this is a Chelsea team as well that you've got to remember have got one eye on um, Monday morning, New Zealand time, the FA Cup final. So they were a team that was potentially there for, you know, for Leeds to get something out of.
5: So this season for Liverpool that was promising or, or could promise four titles, four trophies, now is uh, really starting to come to the business end of it. It looks, for all intents and purposes, unless something happens in these last two games, which is uh, against the odds, uh, I'm not sure they're going to get the EPL title, uh, Ricardo, You look now that behind on goal difference as well and Manchester City's uh, 5-1 victory this morning enhances that from their point of view. So, Liverpool perhaps hoping against hope here?
13: Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think, you know, City have got nothing to concentrate on except the league. So, they've got two games left for their season. They've got to go to West Ham on Monday and then they uh at home to Aston Villa the following Monday. Those are their last two games of the season. That's all they've got to play for uh, is the league title. And, you know, we saw today was, you know, I, I heard uh, Jonathan Woodgate, the former England um, centre-back and, and, and Spurs centre-back as well, saying that he thought, this was yesterday, uh, that Manchester City could struggle to get something out of Wolves. He think, he thought they were going to drop points there, but Wolves really just put the white flag up from day one. I think they're... Uh, to use the term, on the beach already, Smithy. And, you know, Kevin De Bruyne put on an absolute class. He finished with four goals and a 5-1 hammering. Um, So I don't see City dropping points. So I think you can rule the league title out for Liverpool. Because the other thing is, even if City, say, draw with West Ham, only get four points from the last two games, as you mentioned, their goal difference is so good uh, that Liverpool would probably have to, you know, have a couple of massive results at the end of the season to try and overhaul that because they're so far ahead in terms of goal difference.
5: Well, we know that the, the bottom side, uh, the bottom end of the table, three sides will be um, demoted uh, in favour of three sides coming up from um, the championship. But the, the interesting thing for me here uh, is, is these games coming up at the weekend. Uh, Tottenham-Burnley, uh, important for Tottenham to stay, try and stay in touch with uh, Arsenal, but for Burnley, here's an opportunity. Leeds-Brighton, uh, they're massive. They're, they're massive games.
13: Yeah, absolutely huge games, you know. And I, I know you, uh, you have Spurs affiliation, Smithy, but tomorrow morning we see Spurs host Arsenal. Um, and they've got mm. to get through that game first. And the result of that game could influence the result of the Burnley game in a way. Because, you know, if Spurs don't win that game, they can't be caught by Manchester United. Um, but if they don't win that game, they, they won't be able to catch Arsenal either, um, in all probability. So it's then what do Tottenham have to play for? Um, so, I mean, if you're a Burnley fan, you're probably hoping that Arsenal get something out of that and, and, and then, you know, that unmotivates Spurs in a way um, because that's kind of where it is. But that game tomorrow morning is absolutely massive at, uh, at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and I think that could have some impact. And then, yeah, look, look at Leeds. Sure, they're at home against Brighton, but Brighton are a team that certainly aren't on the beach. I mean, we saw that on the weekend. They beat Manchester United 4-0. Biggest, biggest result they've ever had against Manchester United and they currently sit ninth in the league which as it stands would be their highest ever placing in English football.
5: Right, Manchester City aren't sitting still and resting on their laurels either. Let's look at who they've uh, just been in the market to sign. Uh, Erling Haaland, uh, now this is a player of course who a number of sides have had uh, a lot of interest in. In fact I think Manchester United uh, had a crack at him uh, three years ago as well and uh, missed out. This is uh, the Norwegian superstar, Um, so City not sitting back. No,
13: they're not at all. And yeah, you're right. I mean, um, when he was at Molde, uh, which is a you know one of the top Norwegian teams, um, Erling Haaland as a, as, a, as a youngster, his coach was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and um, there, there was certainly a relationship there. And when Ole was at United, it, he was certainly insinuating that there was a, good, a deal to be done there, and that um, you know Haaland wanted to work not only with Ole again, but also wanted to uh, play with Ronaldo before the end of his career. So all the all the signs at that point were, were pointing towards a Manchester United move that's obviously not happened he's gone to Manchester City and it's a massive signing it really is a massive signing and considering this is a team that were trying to buy you know Harry Kane this time last year um, I think you know the fact that Tottenham was so stubborn about that it's actually done City a favour because I think this was a far better signing than Harry Kane would have been um, because he's younger he's only 21 uh, and he's got much more in front of him I think he's I think he'll be a better player so I mean I look at Erling Haaland. He does have he's a little bit of a worry about an injury record the last year um, for a guy who's 21. But I mean, if he can put that behind him, I think you know you're looking at Erling Haaland as a guy at his age already will start to threaten the goal records of of, of Cristiano Ronaldo
5: in in Europe
13: and domestically.
5: So does that mean uh, Tottenham will get rid of Harry Kane, or was uh, or not?
13: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, Kane seems to have settled down now. I think a lot there depends on if they get Champions League football. Because if they do, then Antonio Conte will stay. There's some talk that if they miss out on Champions League football, Conte may go to PSG because they're going to get rid of uh, Pochettino. So we'll have to. That'll be a bit of a wait and see. Um, but I mean, the other, you know, the other option um, there is that uh, Romelu Lukaku is on the outer, really at Chelsea. It hasn't really worked for him there. He's not that happy there. But where he had his best recent football was in Inter Milan under Antonio Conte. So, you know, there's a swap deal on the, on, on the cards. I know the new Chelsea owner, the American guy that owns the LA Dodgers, has talked about wanting to build an English spine. He's already talked about wanting to sign Declan Rice, Harry Maguire, and Harry Kane. So maybe there's a swap deal on the cards. Kane goes to Chelsea, Lukaku goes to Spurs to, to work with Conte.
5: Who's who's uh, your boys? So Manchester United are going to be targeting off-season to turn this around, mate.
13: Well, there's, there's, there's a few names. There's a kid called Darwin Nunez who is, um, has come through at Benfica. Um, he's had a pretty good season this year. He's, uh, he's only young. He's only, I think, 22. Um, so he's a player that's been talked about as a striker because they do need to bring in a, another striker with Cavani going, um, Anthony Martial probably going as well, and, and the clouded future of Mason Greenwood. So they definitely need to bring another striker to back up Cristiano Ronaldo um, and Frankie de Jong is another one who's a former Ajax player played under Eric Ten Haag uh, has been at Barcelona uh, the last couple of years but Xavi is you know took over mid season he wants to rebuild that squad he sees Frankie de Jong as a guy that he can get some money for and help with the rebuild so there is some talk that United will go in for Frankie de Jong for probably around 70 million euros um and he's a he's a midfielder who can do everything i mean he's he's more of an attacking midfielder but uh the way that ten Hag plays he plays with two tens if you like two, two playmakers so he could fit that role but he can also play as an eight you know a box-to-box type midfielder so those are two that they're being talked about at the moment and um, yeah i think the transfer policy at united seems to have changed normally there's lots of leaks lots of leaks lots of leaks but we're not seeing that at the moment so um with Mike Judge and Ed Woodward um, gone and the two of the top scouts gone as well. It looks like that culture of transfers, the way they've done, is is changing at United.
5: One of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is a change of ownership at Chelsea gone to basically the LA Dodgers. Is that true?
13: Yeah, 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 that's right. So I think the guy's name is Tom Booley um, and he is, I think he's like the half owner of the LA Dodgers um, and yeah, he's he's bought Chelsea for uh, well, depends which newspaper you read, but somewhere in the region of three to three and a half billion pounds. Um, most of that money is going to go sit in a in an account that Abramovich can't touch, um, and uh, due to government regulations over there at the moment, and and what's going on in Ukraine. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens from there because you know he's not a he's not a, you know a, a, a dumb guy, Lee, You look at what he's done with the Dodgers. So Chelsea, things will change at Chelsea, because apparently they were running at a loss, a monthly loss of somewhere around £900,000, which was just being topped up by Roman Abramovich all the time. Um, so I think you'll probably see some changes. They're probably going to have to cut the cloth a wee bit, um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that goes from here. He has, he has come out and said that he backs Thomas Tuchel and, and will give him funds to use, uh, but Chelsea do this uh, thing that they're famous for is where they sign a million players and they send like 50 of them out on loan. So they've always got these players out on loan. Um, but I, I wonder if that might look, they might look at that and they might cut that back because they do have a, a large, large squad and, and that's obviously costing them a lot, a lot of money. Uh,
5: this outrageous story um, in Britain, and it's a football story of sorts, uh, but it isn't uh, relating to football as such. It's relating to the WAGs, and they're calling it Waggatha Christie. I don't know if you've been reading about this. This is amazing. This is Mrs. Vardy. This is Mrs. Vardy, uh, wife of Jamie Vardy, suing Mrs. Rooney, wife of Wayne Rooney, for libel, basically. Now, this is getting as, as, much, as much tenure in the media as some of the football itself. This is a bizarre story
13: it's weird mate I mean, and the British media love this sort of stuff don't they um, so it's from what I understand Colleen Rooney had uh, somebody who was running her um, Instagram accounts and things and somehow that's related to um, Vardy's wife and then things were leaked uh, all these stories that were private stories were you know that were happening in the Rooney household were getting leaked to the papers and it's she's accused Mrs Vardy of being the leak and that's where this has come from Um so it's all pretty ugly. Um but yeah, I mean when the when the the wags as they uh, they, they get dubbed uh are uh, headline news, you know there's something not quite right, mate. I, I yeah, you know, I haven't paid a heap of attention to it. I know the basics, but yeah, it it feels like a catfight and um yeah, it's pretty ugly.
5: Well, it is when both husbands turn up to court as well, um, and you know, just on their arms. It's just quite how they can't sort this out out of court. Uh this an interesting one. Uh, Graham's just texted in, as you well know. We get them uh, during the show. Uh, Ricardo, uh, can you ask Ricardo uh, what the deal is with Gareth Bale? Still a very good footballer, but seems out of favour pretty much with everyone. Well, everyone except
13: Wales. Um, yeah, he's he's out of favour in Spain. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure exactly the deal behind. Um, Behind the scenes, but he gets accused of not wanting it enough at Madrid, and the Madrid papers, particularly, have been savage on him, um, saying that you know he'd rather play golf than play for Real Madrid, and he is a big, he's a big golf fan. He gets out and plays plays every opportunity apparently, and Gareth Bale's not taking that lying down. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, but he scored a goal for Wales, which I think qualified them for the last Euros, and while he was celebrating, he held up a Welsh flag that said Wales Golf Madrid. Like in that order, um, which was a dig at the, <laughs> at, at the, Span- at the, at the Spanish media. So, uh, and that didn't, they don't have a sense of humor about that sort of thing. So, that didn't go down well. There had been some talk about him signing uh, with Spurs on a free transfer because his, his uh, contract with Real Madrid is up this summer. Uh, but that has gone quiet. And the last, uh, the latest I've seen, which would be a step down, I don't, I can't see this happening, is that he goes to his hometown club of Cardiff in the championship. But I think he's got so much about him that there'll be a, a Premier League side that would definitely offer him a contract before he goes there.
5: OK, let's look at uh, this weekend. I've got a text in from Brian to say, Smithy, I can't believe the odds on the Wellington Phoenix to beat Western United... <laughs> A team they've beaten three mm. times already this year are $3.75. I think we touched on this last week. Head-to-head and the half-time full-time double is $7. He says they're a ridiculous odds. Brian, thanks for the text. Uh, so let's look at that this uh, weekend. Western United-Phoenix, Saturday, 9.45. Adelaide uh, Central Coast Mariners, Sunday at 6 o'clock. What are you forecasting here, Ricardo? Well,
13: yeah, you know, I, think, I think Brian's got a really good point because, you know, you look at... Um, at, at what he just said there. I mean, the last time these two teams met, the Phoenix won 4-1 in, uh, in Melbourne. So, uh, and they did it pretty comfortably, you know. They were, they were 3-0 up at half-time. Um, Western United pulled one back and then the Phoenix scored again to, to put them to bed. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's a really good call. I think it's great money as well. Um, and, you know, if you look at uh, who the Phoenix have got back now as well, you know, Gary Hooper's had a couple of games under his belt. Great striker, David Ball got a uh, you know a week off last week to help recover from those injuries, rest up a bit because he's been doing so much. We've got Flayton Lewis now back in the midfield as well. Feels like the timing is right, and I, I think mm. you know at the end of a season like this, Western United have not been playing great football, but it's something about uh, also about Western United is that the core of their team is quite. You know, Stephen Lustica, uh, Neil Kilkenny, uh, Nikolai Topper Stanley are all well into their 30s, like mid, mid-30s and beyond. I mean, Topper Stanley might even be 37, 38. So, um, you know, how they go after sort of a reasonably long season um, and, and get to this point, it feels like that they had been running out of legs a little bit anyway because they were in second place comfortably uh, and then they've given that up to Melbourne Victory with the run that Victory were on. So, yeah, I think every chance that you see the Phoenix win this. And then they uh, will get a home-and-away series because uh, it's two-legged once you get to the semifinals, um, given that they're six, they will probably play Melbourne City.
5: OK. And Adelaide and Central Coast? Yeah, that's a tougher one to
13: pick. I think, you know, um, the, the guy that has taken over there... Um, Nick Montgomery, who was a former player at Central Coast Mariners, I mean, they have the smallest budget in the league, um, and he's done a lot of that with the guys out of the youth team. So in a way, they're quite similar to uh, the Wellington Phoenix, and he's just got them playing really, really good football, playing as a team. Um, and, uh, you know, it's impressive that they've got where they are. I mean, they've touched the Phoenix up a couple of times as well, which, which we've seen, and uh, yeah, not not enjoyed that too much from this side of the Tasman. So he's got a team that's playing really good football. I do think that Adelaide have a bit more about them, and they've got a guy in Craig Goodwin who's a real match winner. I think he will probably be the MB, MVP for the season. Uh, I think they call it the Johnny Warren medal in the A-League. Um, he is super important. To Adelaide, he's a guy that can, can pull a trick out of anywhere. They can play him up front. They can play him as a team. They can play him wide either side as well. And he is crucial to Adelaide. They are a solid side. They're a tough side to break down. I think in terms of a big game, uh, and, and it being in Adelaide as well, that you have to have to look at Craig Goodwin um, and Adelaide. I think they will probably just edge it.
5: Okay, Ricardo Borley Hey, Ricardo, just by the by... Uh, I want you to take it easy over the next uh, two or three days because you've got a massive week next week. You've got some seriously big shoes to fill next week.
13: Mate, I, I mean, nobody, nobody can take the place of a legend. You know, you, all you can do is your best, <laughs> Smithy. That's what, that's what I keep telling myself.
5: Oh well Ricardo, um, actually I'll, 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 the following week I'll be filling in for you, that's, that's what it boils down to, that's the legendary status <laughs> that you have achieved because of your fantastic all round knowledge but particularly your football knowledge which we thank you for again this week mate, uh, outstanding EPL games over the weekend at Phoenix, plenty to talk about uh, next week when uh, we're all, uh, one of us will be on a holiday but you'll be back at work so that'll be the focus of your shows I'm, I would imagine too, Ricardo thank you very much.
13: Yeah, no worries, Smithy. Anytime. Have a good holiday.
5: Yeah, cheers, we will do. It's 11 uh, 22 here on SENZ when we come back. We will have our dog for the week, our greyhound for the week.
4: Byside brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
5: An opportunity just to tell you, congratulations to Jared this morning from Christchurch, who won the Chemist Warehouse $50 voucher. Is call cool relating to the stadium down there and uh, like a lot of people waiting for something to happen urgent for something to happen to get a new stadium down there uh, which will be available for all forms of rugby of course and then concerts etc uh, maybe some football as well the phoenix could play down there I'm sure they'd love to take a game or two down there now of course bearing in mind that uh, some of these teams will be able to uh, play at home uh, a lot more often than they have been in the last 2 to 3 years Christchurch appeals uh, as a great venue uh, good football fans down there so Uh, Jared, no problem at all. Uh, Zaid also uh, is a winner this morning. Zaid was uh, able to pick up one of the double passes to go to the rugby at Eden Park Blues against the Reds 705 Saturday night, along with John, one of our uh, callers this morning. So we'll give you another opportunity uh, tomorrow morning to win the Chemist Warehouse voucher. That'll be just after 9.30 when we'll open up the lines. Um, Also, uh, Zaid has said uh, he's a big Chelsea fan as well as a Blues fan. Everything in blue by the sound of it for you, Zaid, uh, that you like supporting, so... Uh, Thanks very much for your communication there. Um, And sports news from around the world, some of which affects New Zealand, of course, as the Crusaders have made five changes, yes, for the side to play against the Brumbies. That's a massive clash this weekend, game of the round. Without doubt, Rob Valentini and Noah uh, Lollaseo ruled out of uh, the clash against the Crusaders, uh, which is huge for the Brumbies. Brilliant, both of them. Brilliant last week. Rob Valentini was just everywhere, and Noah Lollaseo ran the game pretty well from his pivot position at number 10. So they'll miss them uh, as opposed to the Crusaders who welcome back Scott Barrett and Cody Taylor into their pack. Uh, how big a will, uh, move will that be? got uh, a luxury for Scott Robertson at a crucial stage of the season. And let's not forget, let us not forget uh, the fact that uh, the, this is Crusader time, isn't it? You only have to go to Orange Theory Stadium and look up against the, the massive lighting towers to see how often this is the time of the year for uh, the Crusaders, so uh, anyone that writes them off, they do so at their peril. Interesting, yeah, too for the Highlanders in the naming of the side. They've named winger, basically, has been on the right wing for most of the season. A utility back, uh, Sam Gilbert, at number ten, number ten for the Highlanders this weekend. So that's an interesting move from Tony Brown, of course, who's in his last season, uh, last few weeks actually, uh, as uh, and two midfielders on wings and Fatuli uh, for Tulipo and uh, Gregory, Scott Gregory as well, uh, midfielders uh, on wing. So that's interesting. Uh, although Scott Gregory is no stranger to being on the wing, um, uh, he's a very handy footballer, the man from Northland, there's no doubt about that. So, yeah, interesting moves in the selections. Uh, one of the other things that's been interesting is Tim Seifert. Uh, Tim Seifert's had an interesting career for me, of course, um, not really uh, achieved to the level of his potential. I think it's fair to say. He would admit to that as well, but he's got to get a chance to get some more experience because he signed to play for Sussex in England's T20 Blast this year with uh, cover in the absence of Josh Felipe, who was due to be away with Australia A during their tour of Sri Lanka. So Seifert, who's made 40 appearances for the Black Caps and T20 Internationals, has a real chance to make an impression there. Of course, uh, white ball teams to be named too by the Black Caps uh, for various uh, uh, fixtures against Scotland and Ireland and uh, teams up uh, around that area. So... Yeah, a chance for Tim Seifert there. chance for you too now uh, at 0800 150 811. Uh, get on the phone. It's time to stump Smithy. We've got uh, sleep drops up for grabs, of course. Uh, and uh, that's if you get the third question right. And, of course, also we've got 50 bucks from the TAB. 0800 150 In the meantime, here's Araha with the 11.30 update.
13: The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi
4: for Sport. making SENZ news this hour. Government data has been released about how much money was dished out to the art and culture sector through the pandemic. It shows the total support paid out to events now exceeds $20 million. UK armed forces will come to Sweden and Finland's defence if they come under attack. Prime Minister Boris Johnson says he's agreed to new deals in an effort to ease fears around threats made by Russia. And it's International Nurses Day. The New Zealand Nurses Organisation says its new campaign aims to tackle the nursing shortage crisis permanently. SENZ
0: Radio.NZ Sport next.
9: Bye, Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
0: Yes, it has been a very big show this morning on SNZ Mornings with Ed Smith. And up for grabs today is $100 T A B bonus beer plus some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Smithy joining us first at the crease, great friend of the show, Ed from Tolliga Bay. Come in, mate. Good morning. How you doing, buddy? How's everyone? Morning, Ed. We're good. Yeah, we're pretty good, Ed pretty good, actually. Yeah, we're pretty good,
5: Ed. We're pretty good. Uh, nice of you to join us from uh, Tolaga Bay. What's happening there at the moment? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you what. I was there not long ago, uh, and the pub was closed. What's going on? <laughs>
2: they must have drunk
5: it out of beer. <laughs> yeah, good one, Ed. Yeah, good on you, brother. Uh, I had a cup of coffee at the cafe next door, but I couldn't get a beer, which was, I was very distressed about. But however, um, if well, I can't get a beer at Tolaga Bay. Open. No, mate. Oh, this is during the week. Uh, the rugby club might have been open, so I missed, I missed the track there. I'd love to go to the Bay Rugby Club, but uh, b- the fact that you weren't able to get me a beer in Tolega Bay means I'm not going to do you any favours this morning either, brother. So good luck to you. <laughs> Gamesmanship. <laughs> You're welcome, coach.
0: <laughs> Gamesmanship, Smithy. Really, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, of course, you know, we all know what's up for grabs. Uh, anyone who's... Potentially new listening to the show, uh, this is how the game works. If you get a question wrong, uh, then it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock your bails off. Get out on the first two questions and it's on to the next caller in line. Get the Smith on the final question. And hey, we may jackpot again tomorrow. Imagine that. Huge one for uh, the weekend on Friday. Uh, if you both get the last one wrong and the caller gets, then the caller gets a TRB bonus bit, but not the sleep drops. So for you, Ed, the topics today are... Yeah. The Black Ferns, Formula One, and Cricket. Take your pick. Well, I'm not
2: going to go
0: for Cricket. Oh, okay. I'll go for okay. Black okay. Ferns, man. Black Ooh. Ferns, okay. Ooh. I know Smithy's very good in Cricket, but hey, we'll see how we go with the others. First question for you, Ed. The Black Ferns have played Australia 19 times... How many of those games have the Wallaroos won? Zero. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Long may it stay that way. Smithy, how are you on your Black Ferns knowledge?
5: Yeah, I'm not too bad on the Black fence, but I'd have got that one, but it's not likely to change in a hurry either. Goodness me, they got beaten by Japan the other day. So, what form are they in? We're worried about our team. Good God, they
0: must be really struggling over there. <laughs> uh, okay, so 1 0 to you, Ed. Keep going, boy. Keep going. 1 0. Oh, Here's oh. the second question for you, mate. Which international team did the Blackferns record their highest ever score and winning margin against? Oh, it's Germany. 134 six. That's a couple of chips down the oh right in the slot and oh. the it goes mate, you just pulled that right out of there you just knew that off the bat congrats Ed that's incredible
5: oh I don't get this oh. did you send him the questions no did
0: you jack me up here you two <laughs> I've
2: been researching
0: good god Ed wow this is incredible <laughs> we'll see how you go with this last question though mate let's see how you go no. Who did the Ferns play their first international against in
5: 1990?
2: Oh,
0: that was Netherlands we want to that's a couple of oh, down and we won 56 0. There's the couple that's shown again. Right in the slot, and away it goes. I'm gobsmacked. I've never had this before since I've been on the show, Smithy. Someone this confident, it just, he smacked me around the park. This is bizarre. Do my this is research, absolutely bizarre. <laughs> Jeez.
5: I mean, uh, it doesn't matter what he's asking you about the Black ferns. You seem to know the answer. Even Ottawa in the background there is absolutely gobsmacked about this success here, Ed. I, I, I don't get it. Oh, now, oh, oh. someone else. Uh, here's, here's something I know about yeah. you, Ed. What's that? You're the best number eight. You were the best number eight in the Heartland competition in 1993. You outjumped everybody. Is that true? Oh, wow. When did
2: she hear that uh, For the
5: Ah, see, two can play at this game. Two can play at this game, Ed. I, you know, when you get knowledge, <laughs> hey, I get knowledge. Here's a
2: question. <laughs> Who was the 1993 yep. East Coast Player of the Year?
5: Was that you as well? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> 1993. <laughs> oh, I'm winning but some of now, these I sleep think... drops back at this rate. <laughs> that
2: other, one, uh, that oh, other fan... one, I didn't get that other one. Yeah.
5: 1998, no. Ed, anyway. you're amazing, mate. Congra- congratulations, brother. You are a winner. You've scooped the pool. You've got the jackpot. 100 bucks plus the sleep drops. Stay on the line. Brian uh, Rariri, who is suitably impressed, will take your details off you and we will get those goodies to you as soon as possible. You are a legend. Perhaps our best ever contestant ever here on Stump Smithy in terms of quickness of the answers. I mean, I know Google... Uh, and and all that sort of thing travels to Tolliga Bay quicker than anywhere else in the world but you've confounded that you've absolutely, uh, I mean just staggering stay on the line mate, well done we'll have another one tomorrow leading into the weekend but only 50 bucks uh, will be up for grabs from the TAB thanks to Ed's brilliance back shortly
3: Thank you New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling
4: side-by-side brand Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity
5: Run. 11.44 here on SCNZ, and yes it is. Uh, It's the charity run for greyhounds as we've been running through the last couple of years actually, since our uh, inception into the radio market. We've had this uh, competition uh, with the greyhounds and the, uh, the trotters and paces uh, to raise money for a particular charity as you well know ours is that women's refuge and tomorrow uh, we're looking at addington tomorrow not today tomorrow race seven horse uh, horse dog number two horse number two would probably win it wouldn't be quick enough uh dog number two homebush sirius homebush sirius uh will be our dog tomorrow uh we've currently raised 10 uh what are we at? 1010 yeah 1010 that's amazing uh they'll be pretty happy with that the ladies at uh, women's Refuge. So Homebush Sirius, Race 7, Number 2, Addington, tomorrow um, afternoon, tomorrow evening. So that's uh, cool. Other sporting news around the world, and it applies uh, to us, actually. Uh, former All Black uh, Nehe Milnesgara will play for New York in Major League Rugby. Goodness me, still only 31 years of age. Uh, he what a fine bloke he is too. Uh, has arrived in the Big Apple and will play alongside a number of New Zealanders at the club, including Wasaki Naholo. Uh, Jason Emery. Well, there's a man of two tie up there. Jason Emery and uh, Nehemiah Scudder out of the Green and Whites, and uh, Andy Ellis as well. One of the most experienced there. And I think this is a uh, rugby team. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Logan. That is run by uh, our very own Rick Salizo as
0: well. Yes, uh, my old boss, Rick So uh, obviously a very uh, familiar name for a lot of people uh, who have followed rugby over the years, where if you look back at his time, looking after the All Blacks on the media side of things, sports cafe, crowd goes wild, and now uh, putting his hand up to really help this whole growing phase of rugby in America. Smith I mean, is really quite incredible when you think about it, and there's also now the White House have put their full support behind an American bid to stage the Men's and Women's Rugby World Cups. Uh, Expected to get the green light on that as the sport looks to break new ground in America.
5: Yeah, well, they'll they'll win it too. Don't worry about that. Um, They'll they'll certainly win because they'll come up with enough money. And we've uh, been talking about that uh, again this morning, haven't we, about in terms of uh, the money. it, It talks. Um, and uh, a World Cup in America would certainly get uh, a lot of support. And uh, now that the world's opened up, and God help, uh, God hopes that it stays that way. Uh, really, to be fair, it's quite an easy place to get to and from from around the world too. So a lot of overseas support would come in for teams playing a World Cup uh, over there. Montenegro um, uh, uh, unlucky. Man, he was unlucky. What a fantastic player he was there for a period of time. Mm. Uh, but it just had so many injuries, so many things that that, that were happening to him. He uh, shared his uh, super time between the Highlanders, of course, and the Hurricanes, uh, Wellington and too. So uh, one of two's favourite sons, Nehe Mildes-Gada, trying it again over there in New York. Let's hope it goes well for him and for Rick Salizo and the boys. Uh, Watford have moved uh, very quickly. There are Watford fans around the world, believe it or not, uh, to um, appoint Rob Edwards, uh, appoint him as their new manager following the conclusion of their season. basically all over. They're going down. Edwards will succeed Roy Hodgson, who joined Watford on a short-term contract in January, but failed to keep them in the Premier League with their demotion to the second-tier championship sealed last weekend with a defeat to Crystal Palace. So uh, that is uh, what's in in store for Watford. They have a new manager, Rob Edwards. Don't know too much about him. Uh, At this stage, he has been the manager of Forest Green Rovers. So uh, I don't even know what uh, division they play in. Um, other than that, uh, what we've got to uh, uh, to look forward to tomorrow, we may just uh, try and get hold of if we can. We might try and get hold of our old friend Dean Lonigan because I noticed last night uh, he'll, he's heavily involved now in, in Australian boxing. Of course, last night uh, Paul Gallen got his comeuppance. Got his comeuppance, and there is uh, some talk that the former Cronulla Sharks uh, turned boxer has, uh, <coughs> is 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 going to give it up. Uh, He said, you don't say uh, never uh, at the end of a uh, a loss like that he'll take some time out, he said. But generally speaking, he's given his body and his head a pretty hard time. Over the last uh, 15 to 20 years, it might be just time to respect it a little bit more, he said. So he doesn't need to prove anything to anyone. He proved that he could go from league to boxing and be credible, not just a a circus act. Uh, So he's been able to, to knock over... Pretty much everyone has just lost the two fights uh, in his uh, relatively short career. But yeah, it looks for, for all intents and purposes there that, that might be up for Paul Gallen um, in terms of his loss last night. So we might try and get old uh, Dino in there and um, uh, and talk about uh, the ones that he's responsible for at the moment. It's coming up to 11.50 here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back to the show, of course, we'll be able to uh, catch up with uh, Mark Stafford. Now, Mark Stafford works in the afternoons. Uh, He might have um, some more information on Baz. Uh, I think Baz is still in India, which means uh, he'll be getting up about now. Uh, It's, I think, a five-hour time difference. So uh, who knows? We just might have some more information about that. Uh, We'll check in with staff very shortly.
10: Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know.